Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I am your host. Here on The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses. How to build businesses and wealth that would have sustained impact, not only over time, but also over space and We have these conversations. It's really a place of safety here um, with genuine authenticity, vulnerability and curiosity. And this week is such a special week. This week, my book is live. My book, Lifetime to Legacy, launched on the 21st of June and it's available for sale on Amazon and really was inspired by my personal journey as a family business owner and through the work that I've been doing serving families in how can you take your family enterprise from lifetime to legacy. And in the book, I go deep on how how families can better connect, collaborate and gain clarity such that we can spark diversity of thought and co-create businesses of the future. It would be amazing value if you're a business owner and you're looking to transition onto the next generation or you're a next generation yourself and you're thinking about how can I make an impact or you're a non-family staff or an advisor really trying to gain greater insight on the psychological and emotional elements of family enterprises. So like I said, it's available on Amazon. The link is in the show notes. And if you'd like to learn more, head over to my website, www.nikeanani.com forward slash book. There, there's a trailer, a video where I talk a little bit more about the book. There, there's also three sample chapters where you can learn more about the three success factors, in my view, of successful family enterprises that will move from lifetime to legacy and yeah so enjoy so back to our usual spiel this week on the connected generation i had an awesome conversation with dina chochinov who is a therapist management consultant and family enterprise advisor who works with people and organizations seeking meaningful change. Dina also has just released a book, which is phenomenal, called Homework, How to Be a Leader in the Boardroom and the Living Room. And we really unpacked her journey. We unpacked her work and spoke a little bit about her book as well. So encourage you to tune in, enjoy and share. Share this episode with someone that you know it will bless. Thank you so much. Hi, Dina. Welcome to The Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you today. Nikki, thank you so much for inviting me. It is my honor and privilege to be here with you. Well, I'm just so excited. Um, you are the author of Homework, which I am so excited. I have my copy and you've got 30 years of experience in therapy, consulting and family enterprise advising. But I'd really love to know how you got here. You know, I feel so old and I think about how did I get here in the last three decades? It's just so amazing to me that I'm here and very happy to be here. Um, You know, I started my life as a clinician. I was really interested in how I could support people who were living obstacles that they needed some help getting over. I started my career as a counselor in a suicide prevention hotline, working with rape and incest victims, victims of domestic abuse. And it made me realize that I needed some really serious training. 
as a clinician. So I learned how to be a therapist. I did a bunch of degrees and I learned about family systems work, which I adopted as my ethos and how I work in the world. Mm. I was really um, hoping to have a career as a family therapist. And I moved to a city where I didn't speak the language fluently. I moved from Philadelphia to Montreal and my mm. French was not good enough. So I had to make a pivot in my career and I became a consultant in organizational development and human resources. Mm-hmm. So I took all my training and learning in family systems and moved it into the private sector, into the consulting realm. I was an internal consultant and then I was an external consultant for KPMG when mm-hmm. I moved to Vancouver, Canada. And after a few years, I decided that I was old enough and wise enough and had been through enough difficulty and obstacles of my own to be able to restart my practice as a clinician. Mm -hmm. And so I started working again with individuals, couples, and families using a systems perspective, as well as doing consulting in organizations with leaders and teams. And then one day I heard about this thing called family enterprise advising. And there was a program at the business school, Sauter School of Business at UBC in Vancouver. And I thought, I'm ready for more training. I want to expand my practice. What can I do to learn about this? Mm. And it was sort of ironic because I grew up in a family business. And so I learned about this thing called family enterprise advising over a decade ago. And then I adapted that into my practice and included that into my practice. And most of what I do now is related to supporting families in business. And I have a a mission, if I could share that with you, a personal mission, which is that I advise enterprising families to maintain and grow their relational health so that they can increase their social impact and actually enjoy their financial wealth. Oh, I love that. You advise enterprising families on relational health to maximize their social impact so they can enjoy their financial wealth. Yes, yes. Mm. A lot of families don't enjoy it because they get caught up in so many um, dysfunctional family dynamics. And I use my work as a consultant and as a therapist to help them move through those blocks and those dysfunctions so that they can be healthy and harmonious and successful at the same time. Oh, I love that. And I'd love to carry on where you left off. And that's really on. What are the obstacles to families just elaborate, really enjoying that financial wealth? Mm hmm. Mm. I think communication is a very big obstacle when you're dealing with business and family and ownership. So there's the three circle model that I employ a lot. And when there's overlaps between those circles, things can get sticky. Mm -hmm. And when there's not enough clarity around the boundaries between those circles, the dynamics between the family can become um, high stress, uh, low communication, and not as compassionate and loving, I say that word a lot, um, between the parties. And so that's why things like um, governance practices and setting strategy and good leadership development 
and legacy planning. All those pieces are so important for families to be able to connect and not go into a place of, well, dysfunction. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so can you speak a little bit more on kind of best practices? I know every family is different, but just from your yeah. professional experience, what you've seen, yeah. You know, Nikki, most people call me when they're in trouble. Mm. It would be great if I could work with families who are very proactive. Things are going well and they want to keep them going well. But usually something gets in the way of them moving forward. It's Mm. often a succession issue. Also, a lot of families who are in business, just like families who aren't in business together, have some dysfunction around addiction, around an abuse, around um, mental health issues. So because of my clinical background, I sort of move between those issues more like seamlessly. It's not just a business issue. There's also individual health issues, mental health issues that can get in the way of the business moving forward. So those are some obstacles. Those are some issues. Some of the best practices are, first of all, I always start with values. And I help the families identify what matters most to them, what they believe in, how they want to ground their beliefs in their ability to make decisions about all aspects of the business, including who, what do you need to do? What kind of values do you need to have? And and behaviors in accordance with those values to be able to work in the business, Mm. to be able to lead the business, Mm. um, to be a stakeholder, to be a shareholder. What do we need? What does the family need as a value set so that they can have harmony and health? So I help families identify values and their mission. What is their purpose? What do they do for whom? And why? And when families come together to have those facilitated conversations, it's so powerful. And it helps them really connect to why they exist as a family business. And then I help them find their vision. What do they want to become? What is their sort of um, best possible future so that they can move forward together in planning their legacy? What I've learned over the years is that people make assumptions and they think because they're from the same family, they can read each other's minds. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's a very easy trap to fall into. And so I'm there to remind people that they aren't capable, no matter how long they've known someone. People are always surprised by what they can learn and to give them the tools and the support to communicate more effectively. I, I'm intrigued because you grew up in a family business. So to what extent does that aid you in your journey as when you're in that room with families and you're mm-hmm. seeing different dynamics and things? Like how do you bring mm-hmm. that to bear in your work? I come from a family where we sat around the table every single day of my life until I left my family home hearing about my parents' business and asking questions and learning. I grew up in the, in the business. 
my parents met in university in the school of pharmacy and they used their pharmacy degree as a springboard into uh, becoming entrepreneurs. And at the end of their business career, they had had, a, they built a small and very successful chain of drugstores in four parts of the city that we grew up in. And um, I worked in the business starting when I was a little girl. I got all the way to the cash register. I was very excited when I got to use the cash register. Um, I understood the dynamics of dealing with the external, the marketing and the internal, the accounting and all of the pieces in between. And I saw how much time and effort is required to be in business. And what I learned mm. from them, from my parents, is that no matter what the sector, what the, what the industry, people who lead are actually in the relationship business. Mm -hmm. mm. And it was so evident to me that they built a successful business based on their ability to connect in meaningful ways, different, you know, different varieties, but meaningful ways with their staff, their suppliers, their customers, their communities. And so I think that I took that with me. Also, I mean, this for me is a the biggest learning, and I think I talk about it as a, a driving force in writing this book is that I think that the two hardest jobs in the world are um, managing a team, managing people and raising children. And a lot of leaders in the family business world are doing both of those things. So they have the two hardest jobs in the world. I think it's way easier to be um, a neuroscientist when you're dealing with one one thing at a time than dealing with all the vicissitudes and the complexities of the people that you lead and that you're raising. It's a really hard gig. And so I am just so blown away by the courage family business leaders have to do what they're doing. And my job is to try and really make it easier for them in every way I can. Oh, I love that. I love you know, hearing about your personal journey and how that's really colored the way you do that, the work that you do. And I loved your observation on, actually I loved many things, but the first <laughs> is people who lead are in the relationship business. Yes. And when you speak about that, um, are you talking about stakeholder management in terms of relationship building, business development? Or are you also talking about employee management, family management or all of the above i'm talking about everything you know i've been in family meetings where one person says one thing that is met with a, a non-verbal response through a, yeah. some eye roll for example that can actually impact all the other elements of running a successful business because there is that one interaction that's, that causes a rupture in a relationship that everybody else is dependent on it being mm. healthy. Mm. So the stakeholders are affected in so many different ways. You know, I think it's very challenging to manage one's emotions, especially in the intimate and emotional context of being in a family business. Mm. Mm. And you just 
don't know what can set something off that can damage the relationship. And so that's why we have governance practices. That's why we have, we're really good, I think, family enterprise advisors of reminding people, what hat are we wearing now? It doesn't mean you don't love the person if you're in the business um, circle, but if you're making ownership decisions, what are the rules of ownership? What are the understandings and the learnings that people have to do to be responsible owners and responsible business people working in the business and responsible family members. Yeah. You know, what What are those responsibilities and how can I support family members to, um, to live them well? Yeah. And I think a lot of family enterprise members, they just don't know enough about this. They haven't been given the information. How, why would they? They didn't go to school for this. Mm-hmm. And so when there's a when there's a potential rupture and they bring me in, I really want to support them to learn the skills and the competencies of being a great brother, sister, uncle, aunt, mother, father, a great manager, and a great owner. Oh, I love that. I love that. And then you mentioned that, in your opinion, the two hardest jobs in the world is managing a team and also raising kids. Can you speak more about that? Well, you are a coach in these roles. You are a coach, a teacher, a guide, a mentor, a supporter, a confidant, a best friend, um, a disciplinarian, uh, a boundary setter. I mean, it's exhausting just imagining all the roles that that people have managing a business, running a family business, and being a parent, and so, and, and a grandparent too, and a sibling. Um, these roles are highly emotional and um, exhausting. And so how do people find the resilience to be able to move forward in some kind of state of grace where they figure out how to nourish themselves and deal with their depletion in creative and and successful ways. I spend a lot of time dealing with, and I want to just be really clear, lots of very over-functioning women who are part of family businesses and who are also raising children. And by the way, they're also in relationships. How how much time is there to manage all those relationships successfully? It's pretty, it's pretty exhausting. So I'm really committed to helping people build their resilience, which I also think is maintaining their mental health. And um, self-care is really important. And I also help families take care of each other, of their members, so everyone stays healthy and resilient. I, I think that um, my job really is I listen for a living and I have the same role, same responsibility when I see clients as they do, which is for all of us to pay 100% attention to them. I honestly believe in my 30 years of practice that people don't get enough attention paid to them. And I've taken this on as a career because I really believe that that is what is required. Oh, I can't hear you. That's really interesting. Sorry, I was on mute, you know. Um, 
That's really interesting um, that you say you listen for a living and this observation that a lot of people don't get enough attention. And why do you think that is? I don't think they have enough time and I don't think they have enough resources to understand how important it is to be present and mindful in their relationships. You know, I am very interested in having meaningful moments in all my connections, be it professional and personal. And I offer that to my clients. And, you know, I can do a cocktail party really well, but I'm very interested in having deep, more meaningful connections. And what I've learned in working with families is they are too. They just sometimes don't have the language or the time or the safety to make those deeper, meaningful connections happen. So what I offer is the safest container I can possibly create for people to have those conversations that usually require getting over a, a, a barrier, some kind of obstacle is getting in the way. And the way I think about it is it's like you're going along life and it's working and then you hit a wall and the family system in the business, they have an emotional break or there's some kind of business problem that occurs or somebody's not doing what it is that they should be doing and they need some help to get over the wall and continue in a functional manner to run their family business or their foundation, whatever it is that they are doing together. And so I really want them to have the kind of safety to um, regulate their nervous systems and have conversations in a way that allows for everyone to collaborate and get to some kind of solution. Wow. Um, you said you want to help them have safety to regulate their nervous system. So what's going on with their nervous systems? Well, I don't know about you, but certainly since the pandemic, my nervous system has not been, you know, even or steady. Yeah. And um, there is, there are lots of forms um, of clinical practice to help people regulate their nervous systems. And one of the things that we've learned in neuroscientific research is um, the importance of social engagement and social connection to help us calm down. So we can do mindfulness practice for sure. We can learn how to breathe. Most people don't breathe. They hold that they hold their breath. There's so many times where I'm in sessions, I'm like, let's just breathe together because they people aren't breathing. They're so um, stuck in this, this hyper-vigilant state of self-protection. We can So we can meditate, we can breathe, we can exercise, we can move through, we can spend time in nature. But what we're learning is that when we are in social connection with other people, we can do this thing called co-regulation. So you and I right now are co-regulating. As I'm with you, just being with you allows my nervous system to calm down. And I think that families can learn how to do that with each other. Because as you know, something can occur and everyone just spirals into a stress reaction. Fear, flight, fight, they just, they spiral. And what I do with families is 
behave in such a way that I can regulate myself so that they can help themselves regulate in my company and then how they can do that with each other. I'm not going to be there all the time, but mm -hmm. if I can help them with the skill of lowering the tone of their voice, I call it like lowering the volume, lowering, like turning down the heat. Mm. Family businesses can be very hot environments. And so mm. that's, we put things into practice, like here's the code of conduct and everyone's agreed. And if somebody doesn't follow the code of conduct, there's a foundation for somebody to say, hey, we don't do that here. Remember, we all agreed. So let's talk about the problem. Let's not point fingers. Let's not do the blame thing. Let's come to a solution. That's just an example of some of the practices that, that family businesses can institute so that they have right relationship, as the Buddhists would say. Mm, that's beautiful. Now tell me more about her mark. What led you to yeah. write this book and what's Great. it about? Thank you. Um, I think I said at the beginning, I turned 60 and I was like, so what am I going to do with all this information that I've gained in the last 30 years of practice? And I wanted to figure out how I could share what I've learned from my clients and what they have taken away as an impact, a good impact that they have um had in, in, in my experience working with them. And maybe um, I could share that experience for readers so that they could take some knowledge away. And it was really important for me to put together um, a, a kind of guide of best practices, like a user's guide, a user's manual, um, a roadmap really, to offer readers the most useful, helpful and repeatable lessons best practices and insights from the family domain and the organizational world from home to work. I really learned that there's a lot of um, not so hidden connections between leadership in the boardroom and leadership in the living room. And because I've worked with different client groups at home and at work, it was really amazing to me how what I do on a micro level with individuals, couples, and families as a therapist is really in line with and yeah, in alignment with what I do with companies and family enterprises working with their leadership teams and their executives. And so they taught me so much over these 30 years. I, I paid attention, as I said, I listened for a living. And it became clear that many of the qualities that these presidents were using as great leaders, so were the parents and the partners in their relationships. And many of the lessons that they learned and shared with me and sort of we got to together at home were repeated in a in a, in a different way, but a very um, aligned way in the workplace. So we're thinking about like the workplace and the home space and all the crossovers between. So I divided the book into two sections. One are the qualities of leadership in all the spaces that we inhabit, home and work and everything in between. And um, there were eight qualities that they taught me over the years. I just want to be clear that I didn't Google leadership qualities and 
chose them for my book. Over 30 years, I have heard from these leaders who have been successful about what they've done and the qualities in which they show up. Because mm-hmm. leadership, leadership isn't just about what people do. It's how they behave, who they are. It's their being as well as their doing. So I've got part one is qualities. And part two are lessons of leadership. What do people do in a leadership position every day to be able to move forward with success? And there are eight, eight lessons that I have thematics themes right that came up and then for each lesson i have a home story an anecdote i guess you, we would call it a case study and a work case study because i think people really connect with other people's stories and i wrote stories i was just gonna ask you to share a story <laughs> yeah great well yeah. i mean i did want to make sure what can i tell a story but hold on your favorite story um, yeah well i they're all they're all really dear to me i want to be very clear to say that i've had 30 i've had a lot of years of stories and so i wrote composites that are not based on any one family or individual but that really tell the story of many families and individuals into a case study, but the one that is very close to many stories in reality that I that I created has to do with um, legacy. And the lesson in legacy is how to foster continuity and a well-planned succession. Mm-hmm. And this is a story about a family business. I call them three retirement reluctant brothers who inherited a farm Uh, worked on the family farm when their parents passed away. They took it over. They worked together every day for 50 years. They had children. The children are working on the farm. And it's definitely time for them to let go. And so the story is about how three people who were so connected in the business and the family were having a real problem, Mm. not intellectually letting go, but emotionally letting go from the leadership of the business. And the process that they went through, all three of them separate and together in moving through the phases of transition from being the business to not being the business and all the ways that they could, well, that we could together support them to move through the transition in a graceful and and successful and healthy way and how and the work that I did to support them in having a proper ending and then moving through this time we call it the neutral zone of figuring out who they were outside of the business and what mattered to them and how to get through and ritualize their endings and move through this sort of in between in the desert time, and then come out the other side in a, into what I called the new beginning of, mm-hmm. um, of a life that was very worth, well worth living. So instead of running the business full time, they were able to be coaches of the next generation and mentor them and pass down all their talents and information and skills and relationships and then figure out what was next for them that had meaning and purpose. And they ended up 
starting a family foundation and they became experts in philanthropy. Like they were farmers and then they were real estate developers and then they were, um, you know, executives. And then they moved into this other world and became really passionate about it through the support of, you know, they, they did a little therapy and they did a little group work and we did all kinds of exercises for them to move through these transitional states. And it, it was a win-win. Incredible. Um, and what I loved about her work when I flipped through it was it's very practical. Um, there's a lot of exercises, questions. Um, there's actually homework in there yes. as well. <laughs> I thought that was sweet that I would give the reader a little bit of homework at the end yeah. of every lesson. Yeah. You know, Nikki, I think that everyone's very busy. And I appreciate that not everyone has a ton of time to read a book completely. And what I wanted was for every leader to be able to pick up the book and open to any chapter, any section, and learn something practical, pragmatic, repeatable, and useful that they could go do right away in their real life. Yeah. And so I just, I just think that um, my job is to share the knowledge and the tools and techniques to be able to do something with it. Incredible. And you mentioned earlier that you listen for a living. Um, but just wanted to just, in practical terms, what types of problems do folks exhibit that come to you um, for your assistance and how do you help them? Yes, well, I'll give you some some examples. Um, how do I get my uh, children from a place of entitlement to responsibility? Mm. How do I make sure that everybody feels that they're equally loved and cared for? Mm. How do I um, work through my marriage issues so that it doesn't ruin my relationships with my kids? Mm. How do I take care of aging parents um, who are starting to suffer from cognitive decline? And I'm worried that they're going to run the business into the ground because they're not able to understand what's going on or to accept what's going on. Mm. How do I give my uh, successor children, the next gen the leadership development that they require before I would feel comfortable passing the business on to them. Mm. I mean, it's, you can see that these are, there's practical ways to deal with some of these issues, but they're also very tender mm. and emotional and mm. private, right? Very intimate. Mm. And so um, I was working with um, these brothers who, inherited a bunch like a huge amount of money that they didn't even know their parents had because money was verboten you couldn't talk about it their parents passed away and the investment advisor calls them and says you're inheriting millions of dollars that you didn't know about and we weren't allowed to share with you and just that was actually I know this, some people might find this hard to believe, but it was a crisis for these brothers yeah. because they did not understand what it was to be wealthy and what does their money, what are the money messages that they were raised with and how do they adapt to this new reality? 
And then there's lots of issues around mental health, around depression and anxiety and how people can live with certain kinds of um, psychiatric diagnoses in the family system, whether it's a family foundation that they're managing the wealth or whether it's a family business where they're managing the organization and all the structures required to have an operating company, um, issues of addiction, um, bad communication, ineffective ways of moving through their lives together. And so it's it's complex. It's complex, as you know. Uh, family enterprises are very highly complex systems. They're emotional. They're operational. They're strategic. They're aspirational, and then they just sort of arrive with um, one pro one problem is identified. This is what we need to fix. But when I dig a little deeper and ask questions, I discover all the other. Uh, complexities in the family enterprise that I need to address with them. Powerful, powerful. Um, and any lasting words for the community? Um, any parting comments? Well, nothing but respect for the community of successors. I think one piece of advice I can give is um, it's okay to ask for help when you're in um, a crunchy family enterprise situation. Because when we're in the story ourselves, it's quite difficult to have an objective viewpoint. When I'm in my own family story, I can't see straight. I can't be objective. And so I think that there's a reason why families use family enterprise advisors to sort of help them get out of those crunchy, sticky states so mm -hmm. that they can move forward in a highly functional, successful way. And um, it's just such an honor to be able to provide that kind of service to these families in their complexity and in their, in their beauty. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much. If anyone wants to get hold of you, how can they reach you? How can they learn more about Remark or get a copy? Great. Thank you for that invitation. They can go to my website, which is dinachachanov.com, D-E-E-N-A-C-H-O-C-H-I-N-O-V.com. And there's all the information there about me, my practice. There's a special book page. There's lots of information there that, that will allow them to reach me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dina. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you, Nikkei. All the best and your you continued too. success. And you too. Take care. Oh, I loved that conversation with Dina. There were so many moments that she said little nuggets. And I was like, oh my God, I'm your biggest evangelist. Completely wholeheartedly agree with her. I loved when she said people who lead are in the relationship business. And it can be so easy to forget this piece that leadership is not about necessarily only about resources and timelines and impacts but it's also about influence and relationship and we have to keep that at the forefront of our minds when we're leading people um, whether it's in the home or whether it's at the workplace. Then Dina then mentioned that the two hardest jobs in the world are managing a team and raising kids. <laughs> Never thought about that and 
the irony is that a lot of family enterprises are doing both at the same time. And I think for me, what I took away from that is really um, to be graceful with oneself because it's hard work leading a team at work and it's hard work raising the next generation and just providing spaces and, and places and graces for ourselves as we navigate these journeys, I think is, is super important. Then I loved what she said about, I listen for a living. <laughs> and I feel like, and I talk about this in my book, um, the importance of gaining deep empathy for one another in family enterprises, because we all, we have so many different stakeholders in the family enterprise, and we have different personalities, perspectives, priorities, and preferences. And it's really important to understand the four P's of whoever's on the other side of the table. And the only way we can do that is to really listen. So listening for a living isn't just reserved for coaches and facilitators or therapists like Tina, but I would argue that listening for a living is also something that we all should be doing as family business owners. So I'd love for you to reflect on that. How can you listen for a living? How can you infuse better listening um listening um, skills into your daily interactions with whether it's your employees, your colleagues or your family members in the boardroom, how can you listen for a living? And then lastly, I loved when she spoke about the similarities between leadership in the boardroom and in the living room. And I'm so um, privileged to have a copy of her book. She shared it with me and she talks about this real case for the full integration of our professional and personal lives so that we show up as whole in both places. And I absolutely love this message because I, I wholeheartedly believe that we are fully congruent beings. We're not compartmentalized. So the better we are able to integrate our lives, I believe we're of better service for folks in our lives. So that's really it. I'd encourage you to grab a copy of Dina's book, Homework. The link will be in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so, so much for tuning in. Um, as always, please share this episode with someone you think will be, this would be really helpful for. Um, leave a review and also subscribe. Um, subscribe on Apple iTunes, on Google Play, Spotify, so you can get these episodes dropping on your phone automatically every week thank you so much for the love and support i'm truly grateful for you and take care and god bless you